Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you from our new and improved studio here at Lambeau Field. And Wes, Packers Buccaneers, Sunday, 3.25 p.m. Central Time kickoff. It'll be the national doubleheader game on Fox. The entire country will get to watch this one. And it's certainly one to look forward to, not just because of Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady, though that's certainly a big enough reason, but the Packers 4-0, the Buccaneers are 3-2, looking to avoid a two-game losing streak. This is one, I think, even though it's so early in the season, you just get the sense it could have some playoff implications down the road. Yeah, you really do believe that. And and when you look at the way that these teams match up, like I said to you earlier this week, I think the one area where the Bucks really need to clean things up is the penalties, the discipline. But in terms of just, you know, talent, scheme, defense, uh, they're as good as anybody in the NFC right now. Uh, and, and being able to obviously build this offense now around Tom Brady has been the big key for them. But they have a running back. They have playmakers at tight end and receiver. Uh, their defensive front is one of the best in the league right now. Not only can get pressure, can stop the run. And I think also we'll have to see, you know, how this injury report shuffles out with Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette. But... Overall, I mean, you look at the way that they're able to win every single down, uh, that presents a lot of challenges, and that was one of the big topics that Matt LaFleur really discussed this week in his interactions with the media. Yeah, well, before we get to our keys to victory on both sides of the ball, a little bit of sponsor business here. Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 350 365. Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't Days shortchange him, Mike. A year. No, can't shortchange him on that one. Well, you mentioned it, Wes, the penalties. From a statistical perspective, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been flagged for 42 penalties in five games. That's an average of about eight per game. The Packers, on the other hand, only 19 penalties in four games, only five per game. I think the discipline you know, is going to be a big factor in this game. You don't, if you're the Packers, you don't want to get into the kind of game that the Bears got into with the Buccaneers last Thursday, which is where the flags were kind of flying on both sides and and ultimately ended up hurting the Buccaneers more than Chicago. I don't think the Packers want to get into that kind of game. If the Buccaneers are going to put themselves in tough down and distance and whatever, don't help them out. Don't do them any favors in the other direction. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things, too, that you look at this, Mike, and and the way Green Bay has won to this point of the season – yeah, you've had amazing performances out of individual players. You've had big you know, stops defensively, big plays defensively, and obviously Aaron Rodgers. But if you look at it from a bigger level, where are the, the areas that they've kind of dominated their competition? Time of possession with what they've accomplished in that area, protecting the football and being able to you know, make sure that they're continuing their drives and not relinquishing field position. And the other thing is discipline. It's penalties. I mean, that game against Detroit – Green Bay, that was a pretty thoroughly won victory. But where was the turning point in that game? It was some of the extracurricular stuff that the Lions started doing that Green Bay was able to keep their heads about themselves and were able to pull that out in the second half. New Orleans, now there were a couple penalties there that I think the Saints probably would object to, but they were flags nonetheless. And, And obviously going into the Atlanta game too. So I think, again, my biggest key for this matchup is if the Packers play clean football, if they don't put the ball on the ground, if the defense isn't able to turn it over, the Bucks defense, and you keep the time of possession to field position and also keeping yourselves in manageable down and distance, it's a very 
not rudimentary way to win a football game, but it's very meat and potatoes. I think there's a solid blueprint there for what Green Bay needs to do. Well, on the offensive side of the ball, the Packers are fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers' number one rush defense in the league. This is going to be interesting because the Packers are fifth in the NFL running the football, but the last two games, New Orleans and Atlanta, the Packers have not cracked 100 yards rushing in those games. That number five ranking built more off of the first two games of the season than the last two. The Buccaneers, this was the number one rushing defense in the league in 2019, if right. I'm not mistaken. They've simply carried that over, that defensive front. Yes, missing Vita Vea now that he's out for the season with a broken leg, but that defensive front is formidable. They've carried over what they've done from 2019 here into 2020. And with as much as I think it could be a struggle for the Packers to run the ball, as far as a key to victory, I kind of look at, okay, if Devontae Adams is coming back and all signs are pointing to Adams getting back on the field on Sunday, I think the Packers, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, they need to get Devontae Adams into the flow of the game quickly. He's been out for yeah. you know two and a half games plus the bye week. It's been a, it's been a bit of a break, and you don't you don't want him to to not feel comfortable out there as the game goes along. You want him to get into it right away, I Yeah, think. and he's proven in the past, too, that he can hit the ground running after missing some time and play really well right off the bat. Uh, full participant in practice on Wednesday. All signs pointing up right now for him coming back from that hamstring injury. But this does really scream to me a Devontae Adams-type game because the last two games, and really the last two and a half, if you count the second half against you know the Lions, it came down to defenses wanting to take away Aaron Jones. So what were the counters to that? It was Alan Lazard stepping up. It was Robert Tanyan getting open. It was Jamal Williams becoming a really valuable threat as a receiver. Well, eventually, you got to get back to your three-time Pro Bowl receiver. He seems like this is a tailor-made matchup if the, the Buccaneers really are trying to stop the run to win Adams with winning his one-on-ones to get open downfield. I'll also mention this too, though. All credit in the world to Tampa Bay. Very stout run defense. I don't know if they've really seen a threat like what Green Bay presents, though, in this matchup as well. I would agree with that. Certainly a week ago Thursday night against Chicago, the Bears have almost no running game yeah. to speak of. Yeah, and Austin Eichler, the two weeks before that, I believe, gets injured in the matchup, only has two carries, and the Chargers completely abort the run and, yeah. and go a different direction. So uh, the first quarter of this game is just going to be thrilling to watch, just to see what exactly the initial game plan is going to be at Green Bay and how on the other side of the field Todd Bowles and, and the Buccaneers are going to try to attack it. Yeah, well, and certainly when you're facing a defense as formidable as this one with Tampa Bay, I don't know if you can count on you know having five or six cracks in the red zone like the Packers have, have had regularly here throughout the year. So I think there's a premium on finishing drives here. You're only going to get so many shots against this defense in the red zone to try to, to try to punch the ball in the end zone. And the Packers have to finish those drives. We talked about the short yardage situations and whatnot the other day. Whatever it takes, you can't be settling for field goals, especially when Tom Brady's the quarterback on the other side. Yeah, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And the other aspect of it, too, there's going to be 6,000, maybe more people there. Uh, and there's probably a lot of rowdy Buccaneers fans that are going to be really excited for this matchup. So I think there could be some Packer fans in that. There could be there that too. as well. We've heard from a few in Insider <laughs> Inbox who have tickets for, uh, for Sunday's game. It. So I think there are going to be maybe some uh, some Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, uh, Zadarius Smith jerseys sprinkled uh, throughout to 
Raymond James Stadium. I mean, on and Sunday. I'm sure they'd welcome that too. But like Devontae Adams said, it really doesn't even matter. Just he just is excited to potentially have some people to play in front of again. And and just seeing the way that they managed that game, the momentum of it. I've only covered one game at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, it was that game in, in 2014 where for a minute there it looked like Josh McCown wasn't going to be able to like really complete a forward pass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and the Packers won handedly. The only downside to that is that's when the, the dreaded calf injury flared up for Rodgers. So, right. you know, it is a winnable game. It's a winnable matchup. But the Packers have to stay on top of themselves. It was my big thing. I wrote an insider inbox this week. You know, you got to 4-0. and That's a great start to the season. That puts you in pole position here right now with Seattle in this NFC race for the number one seed. But you have to continue that train. You have to be able to push that momentum forward because, as we've seen, too, and if, if you let a good start go to waste, then you, you let the rest of the group kind of catch up to you again. Yeah, well, we'll shift gears to the defensive side of the ball in a moment. But gear up for game day, folks. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at AssociatedBank.com backslash Packers. All right, when I look at this game on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, the first thing that jumps out to me as a key to victory is to tackle Ronald Jones. Because if you're Ronald Jones and you're looking at the film of the Packers against the New Orleans Saints and what Alvin Kamara was able to do with breaking tackles, turning short gains into big ones, et cetera, et cetera, Ronald Jones is like, all right, get me the ball. Here we go, right? I mean, yeah. that that's what he's thinking. So... The Packers have got to have, have got to turn that on its head and say, okay, this is a guy. I mean, we we've seen Ronald Jones likes to do spin moves. He's he's quick. He's tough to bring down. The Packers have to be sound in their tackling and not let this guy turn two and three yard carries into first down carries that move the chains. Yeah, this is the one thing where it's like if Green Bay could have just played right away the next week. We talk about oh, does the bye week gonna affect momentum? The run defense is probably the one area that I think really could have probably benefited from just keep going because they were coming off their best performance of the season against Atlanta. Absolutely. And just a reminder, the next week, Todd Gurley then went off for whatever it was, 120 rushing yards in the Falcons' next game. I mean, that was a good, solid performance. Tyler Lancaster played up, played exceptional. You had Kingsley Kiki has been able to to shed blockers, and regardless of whether he's pass rushing or defending the run, has made some strides. I think you've even seen Montrevious Adams get more comfortable here as he started to play a little bit more consistently. Oh, and by the way, now you potentially get Kenny Clark back in the fold. So with the exception of what, 14, 15 plays, this defense has had to go without their Pro Bowl nose tackle through the first, you know, month of the season. So if you're able to get him back on the field, and as I've been saying all along, if Mike Pettin can be a little bit more, uh, not creative, but just unpredictable with how exactly they want to use him and what scenarios he needs to be on the field for, that this really does boil down to me like a game where as good as Ronald Jones is, and he's great, and if Leonard Fournette is out there, we'll have to see. But the Packers coming off of that performance against Atlanta and getting back Kenny Clark it's all set up for them to really, you know, kind of change the narrative with that group here after having kind of a slow start to the season. Yeah, and the other thing I look at on the defensive side of the ball, and I talked about it in our previous show, is that in this one I think you got to get a takeaway from Tom Brady yeah. in some way, shape, or form. The Packers' defense, only three takeaways in four games. We talked about the Packers' offense, no turnovers. You're taking care of the, taking care of the ball on the offensive side. If you can get an interception or a strip sack type of play on Tom Brady, I think that's the that's the one 
type of play that could that could really either set the tone if you do it early in the game or shift the momentum if it happens later in the game like the the Zedarius Smith forced uh, forced fumble on Taysom Hill yeah. in New Orleans. I think one takeaway here from the Packers defense could go a really long way on Sunday in this matchup. Yeah, in, in tracking the rest of the week, I mean, as we show, as we talk right now, neither team has had their padded practice. So we'll see exactly what this the forecast is here for Mike Evans and what his availability is going to be. Certainly it's a different game if he's not on the field. O.J. Howard has had these issues now too. But then you got Rob Gronkowski, who's been off to kind of a slow start getting back into his NFL career. You don't want to make this the week that Gronk goes off against you. Sure. So, there's so many different reasons and, and things that I think factor into this, but for me, it just comes down to what that quarterback is doing in the pocket. And if the Packers are able to pressure Tom Brady a little bit, are you able to, to, to not allow him to, to see the entire field? Is Darius Smith up in his business? Uh, th- that's going to be a big, important, critical role to this because at some point in the game, as good and as solid as Ronald Jones is and that running game is, the game's going to be in you know, Tom Brady's hand. Where do the Packers, how do they respond to that? Where are they in that play? Uh, that, that's going to be a big thing to watch. Yeah, on the Packers, uh, hoping to get healthy on the defensive side of the ball. Kevin King did not practice on Wednesday. We'll see if there's any potential for him to return. But Rashawn Gary back at practice for Green Bay as far as the, uh, the pass rush goes. On the offensive side of the ball, Tyler Irvin, as of this taping, hasn't practiced yet for yeah. Green Bay. So that's the injury situation for the Packers. King and Irvin, otherwise, everybody else so far uh, looks like they could be good to go on Sunday. Yeah, and then, you know, depending on what happens with Kevin, that's where it might be Kadar Holman, could be Josh Jackson. Somebody's going to have to step up into that role in that boundary corner spot because you just get the feeling that they like Shannon Sullivan in that, you know, nickel, you know, role. He can play perimeter, so he's not out of that card either. But the way that Mike Pettin has played this defense, he likes being able to keep guys in certain spots, so that, that would be a big loss. And then also Tyler Irvin on returns is the other thing to consider too. You have Sullivan as the backup on kickoffs, Jackson as the backup on punts, but then you know Darius Shepard is obviously on the 53-man roster. Again, he handled those duties during the early part of last season. There's always going to be questions. There's 17 weeks. Every, you know, it's, a, it's a 100% injury rate league. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see exactly how that shuffles out. Yeah, well, before we go, Wes, um, we'll take a quick look at some other games around the NFC in Week 6. And the first one that jumps out to me is Chicago at Carolina. Yeah. The Bears are 4-1. and one. They'll be coming off of you know the mini-buy after the Thursday night game, just like the Buccaneers, so they'll be a little bit rested. A lot of people wondering just where the Bears really are at 4-1 and one and with Foles at quarterback and where this is headed. Carolina, a very quiet 3-2, and two, tied for first place in the NFC South with the Saints and the Buccaneers, who are also both 3-2. and two. This is a really interesting one. I mean, hey, you know, if you're talking about an under-the-radar team, Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, these guys, that's a tough division there. I know Atlanta is struggling, but the Saints and the Bucks are, are not to be trifled with. And, and Carolina can say, hey, if they knock off the Bears, Carolina gets to four and two. It sends a whole sort of sets up a whole new picture for the NFC South. Yeah, here. yeah. And as Matt Rule kind of tries to put his stamp on that team, it's quite the way to start things out. Here's what I love the most, though. Okay, so Le'Veon Bell is a free agent now, and the big the <laughs> big right. scuttlebutt is who, which which future you know Jets opponent is he going to end up signing with here or whatever. The thing that has completely flown absolutely under the radar this week is. Mike Davis facing the Chicago Bears. I mean, Mike Davis has been terrific having to supplant an injured Christian McCaffrey. 
you're absolutely right on Bridgewater. I've been the biggest Teddy Bridgewater fan forever. Uh, I love the way he plays the position. He looks confident again. He's standing tall in the pocket. He's making plays. But here's Mike Davis, who kind of was left for dead last year. He's never really gotten a full opportunity, and now he's making some plays for the Carolina Panthers. You want to talk about a guy that probably has some fire in his belly going into this game. I look at at Davis as a guy that that could potentially be looking to break out, and it's a credit to him and also some of those skill positions on on the Panthers that they've been able to wade through not having McCaffrey on the field. Yeah, well, another one here as well. Atlanta is at Minnesota. Obviously, the Falcons in the, uh, the the circle the wagons mode with Raheem Morris taking over as interim coach. We'll see, you know, we'll see just what that does for the Falcons. The Vikings, on the other hand, how do they bounce back from that gut punch of a loss in Seattle? And not just that one loss, but the Vikings here are looking at, they're trying to avoid one and five. Yeah. You know, they need, they absolutely have to win this game to get to two and four, or everybody's going to absolutely write Minnesota off if they get their fifth loss here by mid-October. Yeah, well, first and foremost, knock on wood that this game gets played and everything turns out okay in Atlanta. True enough. So sending positive vibes their way. Obviously, they're taking care of their business right now based off all the reports. But this is an interesting game for Minnesota because you just played your best effort, your best almost four-quarter game against Seattle. And unfortunately, you come up short. How does that team respond? Because as you and I know, there aren't any glamour points in this league. Nope. You don't get a nice little asterisk next to you for you know a job well done. You got to win the game or you don't. <laughs> and unfortunately for the Vikings in that particular case, they didn't do it. So now you're taking on an Atlanta team that is really reeling. That is at the bottom of the league. They've made a coaching change. Their defense is in shambles right now. Can you rise to the occasion and do what you're supposed to do? I have faith in Minnesota. I think they probably will if this game gets, you know, goes off without a hitch. But it's a gut check because it's not always easy to pull yourself back up by the bootstraps after you have a, you know, a really demoralizing loss like that that goes right down to the wire. Yeah, and sometimes teams that lose their head coach like the Falcons did that first game, yeah. you know, there's 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 a there's just a different energy, there's a different attitude to everything. All of the speculation over the head coach's future, that's all taken yeah. care of. The team is moving on and it's, you know, sometimes those guys in the locker room go, "Okay, all right, you know, what what do we have to lose? Yeah, Let's just work for out. these guys." I mean, <laughs> yeah. you go back to 17. Yeah, absolutely. The other one I want to talk about quickly um, before we wrap this up here, though, the Rams at San Francisco, Mm -hmm. a very important game in the NFC West because the Rams looking to get to five and one, keep pace with the Seattle Seahawks in their division. And obviously with the Packers and Bears and these other teams that have the top records in the NFC right now, the San Francisco 49ers trying to avoid getting their fourth loss this early in the season and they've had injury problems obviously Nick Bosa Jimmy Garoppolo and the list is certainly longer than that Eric Armstead as well this is a really really big game for San Francisco to avoid loss number four and it's a big game for the Rams to you know kind of put your foot on the throat of a team a a division rival that's down a little bit here yeah the the great thing is for the Packers is that you always, six times a year, you get to watch the NFC West kind of beat up on itself. <laughs> uh, that, that, I mean, that is a champion's division right now with, you know, Seattle getting off to the start that they have. I don't think anybody thought uh, the Rams would be down for long. You know, they, last year was a little bit of a setback, but they're, they're still pretty strong in what they believe. The defense, yeah. I mean, they have the best defensive player in the league. Um, and certainly, you know, I've seemed to have found their cornerback here for the foreseeable future. 
And just San Francisco is the one we're all trying to figure out right now. Can they rally here? Because as we were just talking about with the Vikings, I mean, when you make it to the promised land of that Super Bowl, and you come back the next year and you start to find some adversity, how do you respond to it? I think Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant coach. Yep. Obviously, we've talked so much about what that entire team has done and how they've gone about their business. John Lynch, you tip their cap to him. But facts are what the facts are, and you're 2-3, and three and you're taking on a team, in, in this case, that is 4-1, has been one of the front runners in the NFL for the last three seasons. Uh, it's a tough matchup, and they got to find a way to respond. Super Bowl hangovers can be real, man. Yeah. You, get to that, you get to that game and you lose it, especially losing it in close in close, devastating fashion. I mean, just ask the Falcons. Obviously, the uh, the 49ers going through that now. There's a lot of a lot of history of teams struggling that year after losing a Super Bowl. It's it's a very real thing in this league. Yeah, it is. And, and San Francisco's trying to pull themselves out of it right now because there's still a lot of talent there on both sides oh, of the ball. No I mean, question about it. But the problem is, is that when you already sit at three losses, and you have another 11 games ahead of you. And with in that division, buy, with in only that one division, buy, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, definitely. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of the action from Sunday's big game down at Tampa on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>